0: What's up, Podcast World? Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is brought to you by Freedom Hunters. Please check out freedomhunters.org and learn about this organization. We've been working with them for about five years now, and they do so much for veterans that are deployed. When they return home, they take them on awesome fishing trips, outdoor excursions, hunts. It doesn't matter if it's turkey, white deer, mule deer, antelope, ducks, geese, predator. They get our warriors, both men and women, back into the field. Therapy, it provides for them to take their mind off of everything that has been going on for their deployment, whether it was six months, nine months, 18 months. The Freedom Hunters and their founder, Anthony Pace, and his entire crew is working relentlessly to make sure that our veterans are taking care of when they return to American soil as he gets them in the field on these awesome hunting and fishing excursions. So think about it, guys. Everything that Freedom Hunters is doing is so beneficial to our military, whether welcoming them home with hunts, taking care of their families with hunts and fishing trips while they're deployed, remembering the fallen with different memorials throughout the year, and honoring the wounded. The Freedom Hunters is set up for anybody to become involved, become a donor, become a volunteer, volunteer your time to take some of these warriors and veterans and returning military personnel on hunts and fishing excursions like I said we've done it and we've met so many good friends through the process and not to mention coming up this year in March of 2020 is the Jim Shockey Classic it's a big golf tournament that's going to take place March 22nd and 23rd 2020 at the Wild Dunes Resort in the Isle of Palm South Carolina so Get involved, get a foursome, donate your time, become a volunteer. Maybe you have the ability to get some sponsors involved to help out with prizes. But most of all, get down there and shake the hands of our veterans. Meet Mr. Jim Shockey. Tell him thank you for all of his time that he is dedicated to the Jim Shockey Classic. March 22nd, 23rd, 2020 at the Wild Dunes Resort, Isle of Palm, South Carolina. It's going to be an awesome event, and it do- could not go for a better a better cause guys our military means everything to our entire crew here and everything that anthony pace and his crew at freedom hunters is doing is just it's it's mind-blowing and it's awesome so get involved freedomhunters.org and check out the jim shockey classic 2020 in the isle of palm south carolina coming up again on march 22nd and 23rd 2020 today's guest on this life ain't for everybody podcast is none other than the one and only jim shockey i hope you all enjoy podcast world how is everybody doing chad Belling, back at you another episode of this life ain't for everybody i'm excited for this one we have one of the greats of the hunting industry the hunting business the business of the hunt outfitting outdoor television just an overall great man and a great voice for what our culture is our lifestyle is he's born and raised in saskatchewan canada makes his home in canada has a new museum in Canada, is the face of the Safari Club International Organization, which their national convention is happening right now in Reno, Nevada. He speaks all over this country, all over Canada, all over the world. He hunts everywhere. You guys know him from his TV shows on the Outdoor Channel, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures and Uncharted Yukon. He's also had the professionals. His daughter, Eva Shockey, is world famous in so many different avenues of life. She actually makes her home in the continental United States with her husband and her new kids. She's got a family that is growing fast. Jim Shockey, thank you for being here. Welcome.
1: (laughs) That was pretty impressive. Holy cow, (laughs) you can come and speak for me anytime.
0: Uh, Can I really? I'd love to.
1: That was really good. I mean, you're not even reading off anything. That was right off the top. It's kind of like
0: rapping, I guess. You listen to rap music?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, I know. It's (laughs) it's right on the top of my playlist. (laughs)
0: You look like you would be right up there. one of the first things that people would probably correlate with Jim Shockey is the cowboy hat. Are you a cowboy, or is it getting Western, what is the ca- why is the cowboy hat so significant with Jim Shockey? You, hunt, you even hunt in your cowboy hat a lot.
1: Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, it, it's the most practical hat for hunting in certain situations. It, it astounds me that, that more people don't wear cowboy hats instead of the, the baseball cap like you're wearing. To me, they're useless. A cowboy hat is perfect. I mean, if it's snowing, I don't get snow down the back of my neck, but you do with that hat. You know, if True. it's sunny, I can block the sun just like you can. I can also pull my hat down the flaps and put my scarf over my whole head, and it, it's felt. It's actually warm. It's uh, I can wear a warmer hat underneath it with ear flaps. I can, you know, like I say, if it's raining, it'll keep the rain out of my off my face. I can see. It's a practical hat to use. Now, when it gets windy, not so much. You know, you have to use a little corny chin strap. Yeah, yeah exactly but uh you know and then i mean let's face it they look cool
0: they do well, i mean you you have been entitled no you've been titled like the best looking man in the outdoors at times i've heard people say this i don't know if they vote on that but you are kind of a symbol of what a good looking man in canada you have a beautiful family you got you kind of got that uh you got to keep that that reputation going. Am I onto something here, Jim? You are, no, no, you are looked a little bit as a sex symbol in the it, hunting it industry. That, see, that's the first
1: time I've ever heard that. No I, way. It is. I've never heard that honestly in my life. Well, that, that's not true. That's not true. I, I, there was a, a lady, a doctor of psychology or psychiatry, something. She did a, a study and she took leaders of sports like uh, LeBron James. And there was a football Quarterback guy, I don't know which guy it was, and and Ovechkin, the hockey player, like the best of the best in each. And then they put me in there, and and her question to the ladies that she that did, and she did like a thousand ladies, who's the sexiest of this bunch, right? And, and it was pretty funny that her results were, I was like seventy-eight percent chosen over those guys, and and it, I mean I giggled all the. I I show my wife over and over that whole week. I was like I'm the sexiest man in the world, but <laughs> but what it, it, her, her she was trying to prove that hunters women perceive hunters in in an in innate sense that they're better providers so I, I don't believe it had anything to do with the cowboy hat or the looks it was it was simply because and she believed that was a premise of her, her whole so study. i was on to something then well you were but yeah. but not not certainly not in anything that i would consider I, I mean I, I mean here, I'll take my shirt off and you'll go, ah, it's, No, you work out.
0: You got you're always training. I see the videos. You got the Mountain Ops partnership and you you um family's very important to you. You've you've driven that message home in a way to where it's very authentic. It's very easy to take in how you perceive your family and how first you put them. And it's hard in my opinion, and I don't know if I'm on to something or I'm ruffling feathers here, but You have to have a very understanding wife. You have to have a very understanding family to do what you do. You provide. You just said you're a provider. That's what the study was. We are providers. But in your instance, you probably cover more miles as a provider, hunter, conservationist than 90 i'd say probably 90 to 95 percent of the people that buy hunting licenses around the world not many people get to travel the way you do and you've built this lifestyle you've built this brand you've built this business and it's very well deserved kudos to you but when it comes to family you you support your family and you present them in a way to where you guys are so strong bonded eva She's even got a show called My Outdoor Family, your wife. She's on your social media. She's on your episodes. Even though she doesn't hunt, she has been understanding. Has it been easy? Has it been rocky road to get to the point to where you've kept this family going this strong for this long with the, the miles that you've traveled over the last 40 years?
1: No, not at all. I mean, it, it, you know, the essence of love is respect. And Louise, my wife, Nana Weezy, we call her, uh, she knows who I am. And and she would never tell me. It'd be like telling me to stop breathing. So and she married me, knowing what she was getting into. That's who I am. And 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 she, you know, she also wants her time to herself at home. When we had our children, she could focus 100 percent on Eva and Brandlin, our son. You know, without me demanding her time. So I traveled a little bit, not not as much as I did later on. Once the kids were bigger, I was I was. The last 15 years, I averaged uh, 306 days a year on the road. Now, it wasn't all hunting because some of it was conventions, but it was hunting-related, and a lot of it was hunting.
0: 306.
1: On, on average. So there was years where it was— That puts
0: you at home at 300—or that puts you at home for 59 days. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good math, but it, it was probably less than that because that's average. That's average. And there was years where I was all the way up to maybe 65 days at home. But, but it was—I uh, I had a— Louise and I have a very strong, respectful relationship. We don't fight. There's never, I mean, we just don't. It never happen. We we understand each other and respect each other. And that she knew that that's what I, that's who I am. I mean, I was an explorer. I would have been on Franklin's ship headed for the Arctic, you know, trying to find the Northwest Passage in the olden days. It's who I am. You can't you can't change that. And and she knew that when she married me. A, a quick story on that. I I was looking for. Um, Someone to marry. I, you know, I was 26 years old figured its time, so I was thinking, oh, you know, I've been to the nightclubs, been to the bars. You know, I was modeling in those days. I said, eh, you know, I've gone out with those girls. Where would you find somebody that's, you know, beautiful, nice body? And that sounds facile, but it's it's true. And I, and I, look, I thought, oh, dance classes. So I looked in the yellow pages in Vancouver at the time, and there, you know, there's the biggest ad in the yellow pages was for this one studio. So I called him. I said, you do dance classes? they said yeah and they said what are you doing what do you have tonight at five o'clock because i'm free then and they said we have advanced ballet jazz with louise i said yeah that that sounds great so i had never been to a dance class in my life i showed up in that dance class 1984 so the tightest shorts you can imagine mine were cut (laughs) up the side to just to the band and and a little white muscle shirt and i walk in there and there's 30 women there was one Gay guy and uh, I think I can say that on air. Oh yeah. And and Louise was teaching the class, and they were three quarters of the way through the choreography for West Side Story. You know, so we are the Jets, and the and they had this, they had this, da- they knew what they were doing. I'd never danced a step in my life, so I had danced across that floor for the, the <laughs> hour and a half, and uh, at at the end, I asked the instructor for a date, and uh, you know, she I guess she thought I was cute enough, and and certainly dumb enough you showed the, up
0: one time at the dance class that and was got it. a date with Louise, Louise no yeah, way
1: yeah and she was she, in our city I knew who she was she was on always on movies and, and on television all the time so I didn't know that she was, it was her teaching it until I walked in there and, holy cow
0: well, think of the strategy that went into. I mean, that's almost like going it's, on in stock in a stalk, and it's hunt. hunting.
1: It's hunting at a waterhole, and all these young guys—they <laughs> go like, to the bars. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, and all it is is a bunch of little running. Bucks. I've never even thought See?
0: about it, but if you watch Dances with the Stars or any dancers, there's a lot of beautiful people that do it. Sure, I'm thinking yeah. I need to get to a and, dance. And ni- club.
1: nice people, and they don't hang out at bars. No, now Louise would never go to a bar in her life. Like, there's no way. No, but anyway, I asked her out, and, and thirty days, what was it? Six? No, five months later. I never went to another dance class, by the way, in my life. And, and uh, five months later, I asked her So she her to was on me. to you. Yeah, she, she got on to you. She goes, yeah.
0: you came there for one reason. Yeah, that's uh.
1: it. I, was, I was hunting. She <laughs> says to this day that I hunted her down. And, and five months later, I asked her to marry me. And we set a date for 30 days later. And only because I didn't want to wait. She said, well, let's do it in the spring and get married. And I said, no, if you love me, why not get married now? So 30 days. It was November 1st when I asked her. November 30th, we got married. But on November 2nd, I went hunting. Out to Saskatchewan, my home grown province, and came back on the 28th of November. So she knew I was gone for four weeks. Well, she set up the entire wedding, and I showed up two days before the wedding, and we went and got married. And so you've been together how long? 35 years. We just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary.
0: Wow! Congratulations.
1: Oh, well, thank you. But but I, like I say, it's uh, you know condolences to Louise, but uh, congratulations to me. I, I way. I'll kick I'll kick oh kick my coverage. She is yeah. beautiful.
0: Eve is beautiful. It's a beautiful family. I mean, you gotta you gotta call a spade a spade. But I remember one time on the other side of the card of my statement about keeping the family together. She's at home alone, but you've already stated that Louise had no problem being alone. She liked her time, raising kids. I, it was a commercial or it was somewhere where I saw you speak at one time and correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but you had made a comment in regards to the life on the road and how hard it is. And the lone. you even were used the word lonely, I believe. I don't know if you recall this at all, but you had said something about how lonely the road can get and how this life's and I the way that I took it is that. This lifestyle looks awesome on TV, on social media, the speaking engagements, the awards, the, 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 the sponsors and the the dinners. And it's, it can be lavishable at times. It can, it really can, but there is a side of hotel rooms alone, wall tents alone, cold nights, flat tires, a lot of different work. You know, there's a lot of things that go into becoming at the, to get to the level that you are and maybe not even to that level, but it, it can be lonely. Right. Did you, do you remember saying that at one time?
1: I certainly remember feeling it. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews over the course of 45 years in this industry. So I, you know, but you tell the truth every single time. And uh, yeah, what you just said is 100% the truth. And, and I've been lonely on the road like you can't imagine. When your children are, are young and you're not there for their you know, first music recital or, or missing their soccer game, you know, the championship game, you're on the road somewhere in some godforsaken country you know, by yourself, not speaking the language, and and because you have a goal, or, or you know, you've set a you, you set a standard for yourself to try and reach, and and to do less than that would be being untrue to yourself. I mean, so so you, it's almost like you don't have a choice. You know, Nana Weezy, my wife always says, you always have a choice, and you do. You know, if Louise. Truly said, stop hunting. I would stop hunting if that was that. She would never do it because she knows what it means to me. But you know, like I said, for me it was almost no choice. It's something I had to do. So yeah, you're lonely, and you're missing those those things. And but uh, you know, to make to call it hard, you know, it's who you are. It's not hard to breathe. You know, sometimes it is if you're climbing a high mountain. But but you're still going to do it you're going to go right to the you know make the peak so I, so I don't know I mean it's it's not what people think for sure you you have to have an extremely strong spouse to put up with that and children that, that uh, you understand or that that, that that understand what their daddy is a little different you know he's not he's not the plumber down the street and that that's you know it just is what it is so so I have never you know that all said I I, I called Louisey Thank goodness for sat phones. I called Louise every single day, of, of anywhere I was around the world, which was a good thing and a bad thing because if the sat phone batteries died, then you've set her up for worry, and and I never ever wanted her to worry about me being out there, you know, and, and getting eaten by something or, or you know, falling off a cliff or. Well, airplane. you bring up a good
0: point. How and I don't want to interrupt you, but I recall episodes and I watch all your stuff. But you've been on some trails, you've been on some roads to where. Straight up, how many experiences have you had in the last 45 years where you didn't think you were going to make it out? Has there been any that close, or is there a little dramatized on TV? I remember you are on one trail, and it looked like the, the little Jeep or whatever you are in could just go off yeah. this 1,000-foot-and-bank cliff or whatever at any given time. But has there really been drama like that where you face government or armies or anything like that to where you might not be able to call home?
1: Yeah, well, it's two different questions. You know, The first question you asked was, have I ever – felt where I wouldn't be able to return home, and the second one, I've ever been in situations where I might not be able to return home. There are two different things. I've never, ever felt that I wasn't going to return home. I mean, I would crawl halfway around this world over broken glass naked to get home when it was time to get home. You know, my family's there, so, excuse me, I've never, I've never ever felt that I was out of my... um, I I, I was out of my comfort zone many times or trepidation, but never ever felt that I wasn't going to make it through. I I don't know how you'd, if you felt that, then you're already, you're not going to make it through. To me, you know, if something's charging you and you question for a second whether you're going to make the shot, you know, like there's video footage of uh, a cougar, last, was it, uh, two years ago, charging me, coming out of the bush to kill me. And I mean, it was so fast, it was so fast. If if there was a moment in my mind where I thought, no, I'm not, my my actual feeling was, holy cow, how how stupid is this cougar? Like, me? Like, really, you know, there's a logger gonna come down this road tomorrow, or a fisherman coming down here, but me, with uh, my gun, and I'd seen the cougar. So I'm locked and loaded, not thinking it's gonna charge, I thought I was gonna get a shot up the slope, 200 yards, you know, slinking away, but you know, that was my thought. So it wasn't a question of, am I gonna make this? No, of course not, it's the cougar is dead, why? And he wasn't even dead yet, I hadn't shot yet, but it's same with these situations in, um, you know, I mean, I, I was on the uh, smuggling line between uh, Somalia and, and uh, Sudan in Ethiopia and the, 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 was it was at the Mercy tribe, they're the smugglers and they're all armed with AK-47s we bumped into a bad bunch of those guys there's about six of them. The, the main guy was a little guy that was just, you could tell he's an, a jerk. And he, he came up to me with their AK-47s and took my sunglasses off my face. That was the first step. And he put them on his own face and turned to his buddies and, you know, like, look how cool I am. So when he turned around, I yanked his gree bag, you know, his medicine off his neck, broke the, the little, you know, rope, and, and I started tying it around my neck and saying, okay, you'll get the sunglasses, I get this. And, and, you know, now I'm armed, and there was two of us. There were six of them with AK-47s. So you know, in that situation, was it was there even a moment of worrying that I wasn't? No, you know, no. He was going to die. It was really simple. It was just if he wants to escalate this thing. But it, I never ever doubted the outcome as far as my safety was concerned. You know, and now I might have been hurt. But that's that's what you do when you get in a situation like that. You cannot, for a second, doubt your abilities. And and that was. He's a predator well i deal with predators every single day and they're way meaner than him you know they'll they'll kill and eat you he's not going to eat me he might kill me so so when he turned around and i yanked that off and then it was then you know for about 30 seconds and i'm you know smiling i'm not afraid of you at all you know i've got your bag that's a good trade i'm happy i want this for the museum anyway (laughs) and then two two of his buddies you know started laughing and they were bigger older guys and he was obviously the nastiest one and, and, and once they started laughing, then the other one started laughing, and I'm still smiling like I'm not afraid. And the guy finally, you know, basically threw my sunglasses at me and wanted his bag back, and then we were buddies. And I have pictures on my screensaver on my computer to, to this day of that group of those guys with that little jerk right beside me. Now, again, was it a situation where I was not going to come out alive? Well, if I was a German tourist, probably. No offense to Germans, but, you know... I'm not. I'm. I'm not a victim, and I'm certainly not prey. So, so it's. I've never. I. I. You know. I don't. I don't feel the fear. I've been in situations, and I've got lots of friends are dead because of objective dangers. Airplanes go down particularly. Bobby Fontana, Cape Buffalo, came out of, from nowhere that shouldn't have been there. You know, it, it happens. As good as you are, it can happen. A, a rock falls off a mountain, and you get bonked on the head. You can't prevent that, but you can certainly deal with the situations where it's in your control to basically control the outcome so i've never been a i've never been worried about not making it out alive uh, but i've been in lots of situations where so what's
0: the main reason is is it respect for where you're at the people that you're that you're with is that what's mainly gotten you through times like that because i don't The other part of that is: Are you a competitive person? Did you grow up competing with your, with brothers or sisters? Or or do you consider yourself a guy that is unconfrontational? Was that out of character for you to reach up and grab that backpack? Because you come across as just a, you know, the soft-spoken Jim Shockey. But is there this side of you that, hey, when it's time to roll, I mean, I'll take, I'll pull your hockey jersey over your head and we'll go at it if you need. Were you a hockey player? Were you competitive?
1: You know, I, I was, I was an ankler. In hockey, I was like literally the only kid that couldn't skate, and and my dad was a hockey player. You know, uncles, semi-pro guys and semi-pro boxers, but I I would I would classify myself as extremely competitive, extremely, extremely like not not a little bit competitive. I I, I want to be the best at what I can be. You know, if I think that's better than the other guy, well, let's test it. You know, I want to see how good I am. Compared to that guy, and what makes him better? If he's not much better, what makes you know why? Why? Why can't I? what can't I? Golf is the one thing I've never been able to actually figure out. Working on it, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm competitive, and uh, I was a competitive swimmer, so I'm for Canada. Uh, my sister was a medalist in the Pan American Games. We, we I went to World Championships on the Canadian water polo team. I played for six years in uh, Berlin in '78 and Ecuador and '82 Olympics and '80 we boycotted so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was a international caliber athlete in two sports: uh, swimming and water polo. Yeah, water polo. Swimming as a junior, you know, but then I went to water polo. Way more fun, cooler guys. Yeah. But no, no offense to the swimmers out there.
0: <laughs> no, but, but uh, swimming's hard. Water polo is hard. Water, Difficult water,
1: sports. Water polo is awesome sport. But,
0: but yeah, I, I'm competitive. But,
1: you know, not not the hunting. You know, that's the beautiful thing about hunting. You're you're competitive with yourself. It's 100 percent yourself. There's no, you're not going to win anything. It, it's, you know, it's not golf. It's competitive with yourself too, but you're going to win something. So you're kind of competing against other guys, but, but not.
0: Um, but you're so by the book, it seems like, and I know that you are because you can't afford not to be. So has that competitiveness, competitiveness, and that desire to succeed ever made you even think about? And I got one minute till shooting hour. I can. It's gonna. It, that. Does it ever cross your mind when you're that competitive? Because a lot of times in this in this life you're presented with that opportunity to where you can you can go overboard. you can do something if you're real competitive to the, that might hurt you in the long run there's a balance you have a balance of love with the family you have a balance of of respect for where you're at, but you still have that balance of competitiveness that has driven you to this point in your career to where you are the best. you have developed this lifestyle that is envied by many like it'd be crazy not to say i want to do what jim shockey does i get paid to hunt i'm an unbelievable i have an unbelievable outfitting business which we'll get into i have sponsors out of the yin-yang i travel the world i remember seeing a picture a few years ago of all of your boarding passes that blew my mind of how many places you've traveled you have this balance of love and competitiveness and respect it, it, without all of that it seems like without the this one the love and the respect it seems like your competitiveness could drive you to do something not right is that fair to say
1: no because because i i'm not competitive with anybody except myself in hunting yeah, no if you and i want to go out and play golf i'm going to be competitive you want, you want to go play tennis? you want to go a swimming race let's have at it right now you know and and you know what if we want to go try shooting sporting clays i mean you're a shotgun guy I, i'd take you on hit i want to see where i compare it to you with my lack of skill my loft
0: you would uh, you could you wouldn't beat me
1: no, exactly. And that's, <laughs> but you know, that's competitive. And, and you know, but hunting, it, that's, I'm competitive with myself. And, and so, you know, ha, whatever, two minutes after Legal Light and I killed a deer, I just cheated on myself. I, I would be, I, I literally would, would throw up in my mouth. It's not even, it wouldn't even cross my mind to do that. In fact, I'd quit five minutes early just to be absolute sure to that's make awesome. it that much harder for myself. And I would do it. You know, I hunt with muzzleloader all around the world, have done, you know, bow and arrow. I, I choose that because it's more difficult. You know, I'll use rifle too, because I also recognize there's animals you just can't get close enough to in the amount of time you're allowed to hunt them over the course of your life. So I'll use rifle, I'm happy to use that too, but I would never cheat myself. And, and that's who I'm competing against. I'm not competing against, like, the implication, what, what you said is that you're competing against somebody else to try and be better than somebody else.
0: In hunting, so you've never drawn any envy of anybody in this industry that says, "Wow, he just got a big deal." Lee and Tiffany just signed a huge multi-million-dollar deal with Under Armour. You never go, "Man, I got to get."
1: You. There's, there's a difference. The, you know, uh, now number one, I've never felt envy. I will not allow myself. I think it's a disgusting emotion. Agreed. It, it's a useless, worthless, terrible, and in fact, it's one of the seven deadly sins, if I'm not mistaken. It's a horrible emotion. So I. I Refuse now. If Lee and Tiffany get a million-dollar, twenty-million-dollar contract, I want to know how they did it, and I want to see if I get twenty-one million dollars. You know, and not because I think I'm better, just because, yeah, I think we're all underpaid in this industry. So why not twenty-one million? But I would never feel envy. I'd feel one hundred percent. And this is no guff. Anybody that knows me knows I don't lie on no guff. You You can't lie on no guff. And. No golf. I would never, ever feel envy for somebody that's had something good in their life. And
0: why would I feel? Isn't envy? it crazy when people get that way, though, Jim? Isn't it? Everybody has the ability to get there, but it's like you, you, I don't, I mean, I know in what I do. I've got guys that get on the keyboard and say whatever they think, feel like they can say that day to make you try to feel this big. Right. And I've always been like, why would you waste your time with the envy or the jealousy in doing that? And you said it, you hit it right on the head, hit the nail right on the head. It's like, you can never get that way because you're out there succeeding too much. You're out there doing your thing and building a family, building a business. You don't have time to get envious what Lee and Tiffany are doing. They're awesome at what they do. They deserve everything good that comes their way. A hundred percent.
1: I mean, they're, they're, they're great at They're the best at what they do. And, and I, like I say, you said kudos. Or kudos to them. I think it's... I'm so proud of them for what they've accomplished. And not only them, the little 12 year old that came to me on the, the floor today here at the SCI convention and showed me a picture of, of the little deer they got. I'm just as proud for that child for getting that deer as I am for Lee and Tiffany for getting their $20 million contract. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not gonna go talk to my business guys and say, what? like, what's that all about? $20 million, really? And we, what do we get? You know, but that's, that's different again because you're talking competitive in business. You know and, and I separate that from my hunting I, you know business is business and I'm competitive but I'll never compromise my ethics even in business I won't do that I won't use you know something I learned about some somebody that that hurts them you know to my advantage in a business I, I why why I want to succeed and look myself in the mirror always and be proud of what I see you know my self-esteem is 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 based on my ability to uphold those those tenants that I was taught when I was young, honor, you know, like being loyal. These are, you know, respecting your elders, you know, loving our country. These are, all these things are- Supporting our president. Supporting our president, yeah. Or, or unsupporting our prime minister in Canada. <laughs> unsupporting, yeah. I don't know if you saw it recently in social media. Yeah. He's, he's trying to ban, you know, they, 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 here's how absurd, I mean, we're getting way off case here, or way off base. We'll get but, back to it. But, you know, this is the way they work. They banned 32 caliber handguns and they banned 25 caliber handguns. Now think about that. Why didn't you ban 22 caliber handguns or 38 caliber, or, or 40s, 44s, forty whatever, 50s? Why didn't you ban those handguns? Well, because they figured who had the fewest number or what was the fewest number of handguns owned by gun owners? Well, it's probably 32s and 25s. So let's hit those first. We're not going to touch 22s because, I mean, I, I had a 22 handgun growing up. I mean, it's all licensed. We were allowed to use them in Canada and own them, but they didn't want to take that on. So they, they chip away at this chip little out. bit and a little bit, and, and I'm, they justify it by saying that somehow my legally owned guns, and I'm, we are the most vetted population in Canada. To get a, a license to own a restricted firearm, which is a handgun, you, you, I mean, you got to go through hoops like you can't imagine. You, you, you're, you've are you got to be Mother Teresa virtually before they'll let you have that license. And now they imply to the public that I'm a criminal, a danger, a threat to society because I own handguns. And so they want to chip away at another, you know, they want to take away a gun that looks like a, a black ops gun. I mean, an air gun, an air gun with a square stock is illegal. This, this is... How absurd it is it's that really it's happening! Gun? It's happening. Yeah, because they they want to get rid of the, you know, that's how many people own square stock, hand or uh, air guns. Let's get rid of those. And they so he's he's just on another our prime minister.
0: He just got reelected, didn't he? Oh, a you, couple know, months that, I, ago.
1: Try, I've been trying to find a happy place for the last two months. He and I just I just, I just, just wrecked he, it. Yeah, he just wrecked it. But uh, yeah, he's he's chipping away at it. So I I went on social media. And and you know and you
0: say this is going to be a long one. How do you start them? Yeah, this is going to be a long this one. Is yeah. Going to be a long yeah, one.
1: Yeah, because when I, I just I get fed up. Like, why are you treating me as, as a threat to society? Go go spend. He, he's going to spend a quarter of a billion dollars to buy back these hand or whatever guns he's banning this time, and and why not spend that on on education or in social programs in the inner mm-hmm. cities, where you have the hang and the gangs. Why don't you use a quarter of a billion dollars and give it to our law enforcement agencies? Do something positive with it instead of implying that I'm the threat to society. We're not, and this it's crazy, this, yeah, this fellow is. He, they they just won't listen. It's they're they're so they don't.
0: The governor of California, and we don't need to go on politic rant. But you look at what's going on in San Francisco and even smaller cities like Chico, with literally like anarchy going on in the streets with the homeless population and store owners being robbed and not even being able to get law enforcement there to protect their investment. Their entrepreneurial spirit is being degraded and threatened daily and they want to go after it. Now you have to have a background check to buy 22 ammo or 20 gauge ammo to go on a duck hunt or a dove hunt with your son or daughter or your nephew or niece. And it's like you'll stand in line. I have stories of four and a half hour waits to get two boxes of 30 six ammo for a deer hunt for, that friends have gone through in California in the last six months. But they'll let all this other stuff go on, but treat the hunters and the legal gun owners. And, and I'm just, it, it drives me crazy on a daily no, basis what, to see it.
1: You know, I've got a song that I wrote. It's Where's the Common Sense Today? And and my guys won't let me actually release it. You <laughs> released one though. Yeah, I, I released uh, "Howl with Me." That that actually went to number one on the iTunes Blues charts. It went past the Blues Brothers, Etta James, uh, you know the candy. Went Heat. number one. Went. It was number one. And I and I've got it. I've got the screen grabs to show that that song that I wrote and performed and released, went to number one. So do you one. ever
0: get asked to play it live at like an SCI convention or anything? Yeah, I, at
1: Dallas Safari Club, I was on stage with uh, Larry Weishun and, and a couple other guys. Um, and and there was a Dan, Dan, uh, oh boy, his name escapes me. Great songwriter, you know, performed all kinds of songs for the big guys. And uh, so he had his guitar there. And, and then Billy... Was it Dean Dillon? No, no. He wasn't, he's a Texas guy. I yeah, it not, might be. Dan, not Dan Reynolds. But anyway, he, it'll come to me probably at three in the morning tonight, I'll call you but uh, Billy Kinder was the host, and he said, "Hey, Jimmy, you got a song?" And went, oh. so you, you have the whole audience out there, and I mean, they just handed me the guitar, and you got to you got to play it. I know
0: that name, Dan Reynolds. I think he is a songwriter in Texas. His brother's a scout for the Miami Miami uh, professional baseball team in Miami, the Marlins. And we've worked with that guy. He does some rodeo songs and written. I wonder if it's yeah. the same guy. Well, his name? Uh, I,
1: well, I don't know. Is it was Reynolds. His name's first name. He's a super cool guy, and he. He wrote that song, you know, uh, about if you, you take a knee, my ass. It was performed by a different...
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, take a knee... Uh, who did that? Hank Jr.? Uh, no.
1: No, take a knee. No, it was a different guy. Justin Another.
0: Moore? There, I remember that song, take yeah, a knee.
1: Yeah, well, that, he wrote that song. So he actually performed that at that... Uh, but anyway, my, my song, uh, Where's the Common Sense Today, uh, I should... I, I should
0: I want to, uh, well, maybe we could get a copy of or Well, how with me, maybe we can play on this. Podcast. with me? You can play anytime. But actually,
1: a lot of guys use it on their podcast. I
0: want to use it on podcasts and maybe a TV show. I love it. I, I went, I send it out to everybody. I, I, when I see something that's going to be positive for what we do, I think yeah. it's awesome that people are like, "What's you doing singing?" I'm like, "Because he can and he is and he's got a freaking good idea and he's supporting our lifestyle with this." Sure. And it's like, "Why wouldn't you support it?" It's Nugent, I remember didn't Nugent get on and say something with you on on the song or something? Not on I, the song, but
1: I haven't I, I mean I Ted, know Ted real well. I haven't heard him say, "Is he a good
0: voice for our industry and our lifestyle?" Ted Ted's a, a brilliant guy. I mean, I, I
1: his IQ has to be through the ceiling. I've seen him debate on television that you know, I know I would have melted down and you know, cried like a, a little school kid because I wouldn't have been able to deal with it the way he dealt with it. it I would have been trapped. And, and he just, that, he's so sharp and so smart in those types of debates. Now, Ted's also very outspoken on, on you know, the way he says things. So, for you know, he's, he's, like I say, the best of the best, but he's also, you know, some people, you know, how would I say, I don't want to say they get offended by it, but they're a little bit frightened of him because of, of how outspoken and, and how sort of rabidly outspoken he is. He's a smart guy, and he's a hunter, and he's reached out to more people about hunting than any single other person into the non-hunting world. His message is, is um, you know, it's pro-hunting and and so I'll take that any day. So is is he a good voice? Sure he is. He's reached out to how many people? There there's no nobody else has done that. Nobody else has the reach that Ted does to the non-hunting public.
0: So with the way that he can be brash or outspoken, as you said outspoken, could that put a glimmer or anything or a bruise on the lifestyle if somebody's like, "Well, listen to how like how this guy talks about it or how he talks about the bloodshed, and and even though we get it, and he and he's a provider, and he eats everything he harvests, or he provides it to, you know, the homeless or hungry. Is is there an is there a chance that hey somebody could hear that and be like whoa man you know, that's too much we're gonna we're gonna push people away. You know,
1: you know, you, here, here's the thing: you you go out there right now, and try and be liked by everybody. L- let it's me good how point. it goes. It's let a good, me, let me let me can't. go. It's impossible. So he you know he's polarizing. The people that hate him are going to hate him. And, and, you know, he could actually come out and say, praise the Lord, and they'll hate him. Like, it, it doesn't matter who you are, you're not going to get 100% of the people to like you, you know, and and get over it, the, the, you know. Get past it. Yeah, just move on, because he, he sure, he, he's polarizing. He he says things that, you know, if, if he drops an F-bomb in, in polite society, then, or polite company, then, you know, that's, there, there's ladies might might be offended by that and they might be pro hunting
0: and they're offended so
1: but but on the other hand he reaches out to a world that we can't reach any other way the non-hunting true. public on, He's a
0: rock star way before he was known in true. the hunting world yeah. even and, though he's and, hunted for And
1: he's not afraid of, of standing up for us hunters. And we got to love that. He's how many others? I, I, you know right now I could name 10 movie stars that are hunters that won't talk about it at all. Ever and, and sports stars, how many you want to
0: know? The Country music guys that you that know they hunt. About. They won't even put it, come close to putting a picture on with camo most of the time. No, no. And, and, you
1: know, Ted Nugent's out there taking the heat on on mainstream television, telling the the pro hunting message. Now, you know what I like him to. You know, I've, I've told Ted. I said, Ted, Ted, You know, like just. But let's face
0: it. He made it to where he is by being Ted, and I'm wrong. Polarizing is a good word, but it's it acts it 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 brings a lot of positive and optimism to our lifestyle and on the other end of the teeter-totter of like, this message is out there. This is, he's getting it out to all those people that would never get it because they might not watch the outdoor channel. They might not listen to a hunting podcast. They might never go into a Cabela's or a Bass Pro or anything, right? They're getting it in on Ted Nugent at his concert. He shoots a bow on stage at a white Buffalo. And he talks about hunting and eating backstraps and what it means to live off the land. I mean, he's given that to a lot of people to where in a way hippies, and I, and I, and I love everybody to say, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but this whole organic lifestyle and eating off, living off the land, hunters have been doing it forever. And now Ted's out there stressing it to a bunch of these, you know, guys that are, got, you know, death T-shirts on, and they probably have never been in the woods. And they're hearing it like, whoa, he's living off the land. He's eating, he's eating, you know, wild game that hasn't been injected with all these enzymes. And you know what I'm saying? It's like he's talking the good talk for us, fighting the good fight.
1: Sure, saying, you know, Cam Haynes is another one. Steve Rinella. Awesome, and they guys. reach out into a non-hunting public that, because of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's another one that is a fantastic voice for us. You know, awesome.
0: He, and he's, you know... He, how does he get away with it, though, Jim? How does he be the face of the UFC, be on TV, have the number one podcast in the world, argument, I mean, arguably with Adam, Adam Carolla? I think Joe's got it now. He posts pictures of eating dead elk all the time, videos of him shooting elk with a bow, him hunting with Cameron Haynes and Ranella and Meat Eater and, and all these guys. How does he get away with it? Well, Because he's
1: not apologizing for, and he's not a hypocrite. And, and you know what? There's a small percentage of the population, 10%. That that hate what we do, and they'll ne- you'll never reach them. It's an ideological barrier that at that 10 percent number. And there's 10 percent of us that hunt. That you're not going to change us. We we are who we are. But there's 80 percent of the 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 middle that either lean one way or the other way. But for the most part, they're uncommitted either way. So who's who's reaching out to them at a given time, and telling them the truth? Well, these people are sick and tired of being fed bull crap. I mean, the, the, the press is full of it. You know, they marginalize us and portray us as, uh, you know, louts that spit on the carpet and, and chew whatever and, and can't put a sentence together, which I just slowed up on my sentence. <laughs> but no, the, but you're the, very the, well spoken. Well, I appreciate that. But, I mean, Joe Rogan, he reaches to those people and tells them the truth. So you say, how does he get away with it? Because he's telling the truth. He's not a hypocrite. He, you know, he knows. He, yeah, he lives in Hollywood or wherever his home is. I mean, I did the Joe Rogan podcast, in his, and it was downtown Hollywood as far as I remember. He, but he's not apologizing for the fact that he eats meat and likes eating meat. You know, not all of us. Wild game eat. meat at that. Well, now. Now, right? yeah. But he he wasn't before. But again, that's Cam Haynes and, and Steve Rinella.
0: Influenced John Dudley and those guys, huh? Sure,
1: absolutely. And, and, and let's face it. You, you you want to stuff in your pie hole something that's been, you know, bought in cellophane in a, a store in downtown no. Hollywood Boulevard? No. You, you want to have something that's healthy for you, and you know it's healthy because you harvested it yourself. you you Hopefully, you even, you know, butchered it up yourself and, and you know, took care of it yourself, cooked it yourself. It's, he's just telling the truth, and that's how he gets away with it. And if these people that are so afraid... Of losing their jobs would just come out, and I hate to say it out of the closet because, but it's kind of the way
0: it is. Yeah, like you—you you, want to do this? You want to go hunting? You want to shoot a gun? You want to eat wild game? Come out! Come out of that closet and just be—do it. Be, tell, who, you are. be tell, who you are. Tell the truth. And, and yeah. when you tell
1: the truth, you, you know, you'll realize that. Well, they, there's ten percent. Yeah, they hate you for doing that. You know, their cognitive dissonance is their problem, not your problem. And and they're, you're not going to lose your career because you came out and told people, yeah. You know what? I eat meat, and I, I'm not apologizing for eating meat. I kind of like a, a burger, but I'd like it to be natural, 100% natural, and a, from an animal that lived a life. And I don't want to throw our ranching friends under the bus because, you know, they're they're the salt. They are they are us. Yes. And and you know, so I don't want to say that you know that that animal has been injected or whatever, and our, our our mountain sheep hasn't been you know got something in it that's chemical. But the fact is that they don't. You know my moose up in the Yukon; they've never seen a chemical. They don't know anything about it. They've never seen an antibiotic or a growth hormone. And you know that's what we live on. So if these people just come out and admit that that's how they want to live, they'll realize that that 80 percent that's in the middle, they'll actually support them. And Joe Rogan's finding that out. He's proved it. You know the rest; they're just too afraid. They're just, they're not. I guess they're 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 too afraid of being. Uh, called out in in public they don't have the the self-esteem the confidence the the ego that just says hey you know i am who i am and and i don't need to apologize for that and this is who i am take me or leave me but if you know if they're worried about paying their mortgage in you know hollywood hills i guess maybe it's not that easy to do i don't know i to me it seems like you're living do you ever catch
0: yourself walking the line at all or are you always a hundred percent this is who Jim Shockey is. Do you ever look in the mirror after a speech or after an engagement of something that you did that day and say, look in the mirror and say, man, I could have went a different route. I wish I would have been a little bit more like when you support Trump Jr. You support Donald Trump. And when you say the things you do about American politics and supporting our leaders and stuff, do you ever wish that you took it a little bit further? Or is it always do you always push it as far as Jim Shockey's going to push it without is there an envelope that you might open a little too far with what you do in the business world?
1: Well, a couple different questions. I mean, if I ever... I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Okay, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm trying to get an answer of like, yeah, do you ever regret not saying what you think you should have said? Is pretty much the...
1: Sure. The, I, on a speech, there's lots of times when, I, when I'd when i love to have made a funnier joke or my timing was a little bit off. So yeah, there's times when I go, ah, I had them right there and I I didn't, You know, I should have done this. It's you know, being ordered or you, you can't not question yourself do I ever cross the line of who I am? No. And, and I have respect. You know, you say I support, you know, Donald Trump Jr. I consider him a friend and I'll support him. I don't care what anybody says. You know, obviously that family has been under attack for the last five years. In Canada,
0: they took Trump's cameo in Home Alone 2. I saw that. They they took it out of the TV show during Christmas.
1: Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, in, how do they justify that? I don't I mean, know. It's, it's, where, where is the freedom of the press that we fought so hard for? It's, a, a, But it, but I, I will not, you know, I'm Canadian. I'm a Canadian citizen. Now, you know, our, our grandchildren are all dual citizens, American, Canadian. My sister's American. My Both my grandfathers are American. But still, I have to be very cognizant that I'm not, you know, politics I have to be careful of in the States because... You know, I can't vote, and, and I shouldn't—you know, what should I—that it, it, one, I you know— You can't I, get on a soapbox is what no, you're trying I, to say. I, and I respect, I respect the people in the states to make the right decisions, but I will stay—I will, hundred times out of a hundred, stand up and say, I am friends with Donald Trump Jr., and I have great respect for him, for what he puts up with, how he thinks. His- say
0: that what you just said, though, at the beginning of that, that you trust or you respect that the American people are going to make the right decision? Yeah. That, I That's mean, so well said, though, because if you think about what goes on in our society with people that are born and raised here, and you get a little bit of quote unquote celebrity, you have actors and actresses and all these people that will get up and speak against our leadership because they can, because I guess they can legally vote here and they're trying to sway people to do it. But really, you're up on stage to make me laugh. You're a comedian. I don't think that it's in your place to say that. And you're kind of saying that, that you have the ability to reach a lot of people. You're friends with Donald Trump Jr. I don't know if you've met his dad, our president or not, but you have the ability to go out there and get on a soapbox, Jim Shockey, and say, hey, we need to be doing this to support American politics and gun rights and the Second Amendment and everything. And you choose not to.
1: Well, you know, I make it very clear where I stand on those issues. And I make it very clear that I'm friends with the son of the president right now. And if people can't, read between the lines on that, then, you know, I, I, I can't actually cross that line. Right. And, and, and because it's not my right. It's not my but right. But that's
0: nice to hear that you respect that right, though, because you could figurative or theoretically, you could. Yeah. You could say whatever you wanted in the position that you're in because you have a lot of ears that listen to you.
1: Yeah, the, You know, I, I'm a firm believer in abuse of power. And, and that voice is, you know, I have a powerful voice, I, you know, I reach a million people on social media, whatever the numbers are. But to abuse that, it, you know, you can't, my responsibility is to use that and wield that power very, very carefully. Now, yeah, you know, if you want to talk about what I have to say in politics in Canada, then you know, follow me on social media, because I am very outspoken about what I believe in. And What's but right. you, is
0: it safe to say that you have a, very, a lot larger audience in the continent of the United States than you do in Canada with the reach that hunting has down here?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no question. And it's probably a direct, directly proportional relation to the number of people in each country. 35 million in Canada, 350 million in the States. Mm. It, it, I probably have one-tenth of the followers in Canada. So it, one-tenth of the voice. However, you know, it's, it's comparative. The, the power of that voice is comparative because there's less people. So, so, but no question. the United States is is uh, I, have a, a, I don't want to call it a fan base, but I have a lot of friends in the states that that have you know supported me for four decades now in this industry.
0: I'm going off off kilter a little bit here of what we're talking about, but was your dad the man that he was portrayed to be on Jim Shockey's hunting Adventures with your uncle and the friends that you guys surrounded yourself with? And I know he passed away a couple years ago. Were you guys as close as TV made it look like you were? You always have your mom involved. I, I'm, I don't get envious, but I lost my dad when he was 54 years old. You got to hunt with your father into his eighties or early nineties. If I'm not mistaken, that is unbelievable. was the relationship, sit down and have coffee on the family farm and talk like we're talking right now, open and candidly and all that. and, was his, was what we saw on TV that man in that is that how your guys' relationship was because I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah, you know my dad, I I he was my hero. Growing up, he was my hero and he was my hero right to the very end. Were we gifted with a different skill set? Yes. You know, I mean, I grew up in a trailer park. Uh, you know, my, we had no money. My dad was road construction and and our conversations around the dinner table from when I was old enough to remember conversations around the dinner table were all about whether my dad would get laid off and whether we, he'd have the money or would we have to you know, move back to the trailer once we bought a house when I was six years old. You know, that was a tough one for me, and I, and I and I I knew at that point already that I was just a little different than my dad. You know, my business acumen was a little different, my skill set was a little different, my, uh, you know, desires... and and we're different, I mean, I in our family, they, they were very socialist, you know, they my great grandfather was a founding member of the Socialist Party, which is our NDP nowadays up in Canada, um, you know, people will be, you know, screaming right now, saying, they're not socialists, yeah, they're socialist and and they always were, The um, but I wasn't, I, I couldn't see that when I was a very young age, I was conservative, you know, I, I was, and, and that went against the entire Shockey family, I still get letters, to this day from one of my uncles every year I'll get a nine-page letter saying how I'm just the worst example of a shaki because I you know embraced business and and you know I think if businessmen and entrepreneurs are making money that means they're hiring people to work and that means my dad had a job my I worried about my dad ever having a job and and you know now I you know I employ quite a few people and and you know they're my family i would I, n- I would never want them to think about what my dad had to think about every single day of his life when when i was growing up so so you know back around to your question was my dad what you see on tv he worked road construction for the same company till he was 66 years of age and then he retired everybody said that he would die soon because that was all he ever did in his life he never You know, he hunted, but it was strictly for meat. If they could hunt for one morning of opening day of deer season and get a deer and be back at work at noon, that was a great hunt. You know, for me it seemed like, no, why not hunt for the whole season? And the great hunt would be when you're done on the last day of the season instead of the first. You missed all the hunting part. And moose, if they didn't get a moose, we didn't eat meat all winter. Literally, you know, it was macaroni for me. I didn't know you could buy a cow until I was in high school. and You know, friends would have that. It was... So, so, you know, his hunting was different than mine. And at 66, he, when he retired, that same day I phoned him and said, Dad, come out and work for my outfitting company. And, and you know, you can cook, you can do whatever you want. He was heavy-duty mechanic in the later parts of his years. And I said, you can fix my trucks and, you know, we'll, 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 uh, I'll take care of you. You know, you have a job. So, so he came and worked for me for the next 20 years. He died at 86, actually. In 2013 and and uh, so that's when my dad and I actually got really close I mean I left when I was 17 I left home left Saskatoon Saskatchewan at 17 to go off to university on the west coast in British Columbia on on a swimming scholarship so I never went back I I, I mean I went back to go hunting and see the family but I I, you know I I knew that my destiny was gonna take me somewhere else so for many many years I didn't see my father much, and, and you know, when he was in the road construction crew...
0: He's working dark, dark to dark.
1: Every single day. He worked I harder. I worked for him when I was 14, 15, and 16 for the summers.
0: It's hard work. I
1: never saw anybody work like that in my life before that or since that. You know, how many hours? He'd drive home Saturday evening from wherever in the road construction out some part of... So Cincinnati. is that why
0: he's your hero, the work ethic, the way he treated your mom, the way he provided for the family? Why is he your hero? It can't just be because he's your dad, because some people.
1: No, he is because he not not because he was my dad, but because he was my father. You know, he was. I wanted to be like him. That's Uh, awesome. You know, and and he had tremendous respect from all the men on the crew. There was nobody more honest, nobody no straighter shooter in this world. You know, he never. I never saw him spend five cents on himself other than airplane magazines, because he wanted to be an air a pilot. You know that was Saturday, Sunday mornings was the only time he had off, and we'd go to the airport and watch the airplanes take off and land, and listen on the little radio that as they were doing their approaches. And uh, and he, that was the only thing he spent money on. He everything was for the family. He oh, sacrificed awesome. everything. And I, you know, later on, I I was able to take him to Africa and and to New California. How, ful- so how
0: fulfilling I- is that though? For the sixty-six to eighty-six, what you were able to give back to your hero and your father. Like, yeah. there's not a more fulfilling prophecy that can be handed to a, a man or a woman to give back to a father like that or a mother. Like, to me, that's that's everything that your career is embodied around is what you were able to do. That's why I wanted to bring him up, because I could tell how important he was to you just through TV, which you never know how to take TV. Some of it's reality. Some of it might be drama, whatever. But that's so that's got to be the most rewarding thing that you've done in your career. I, I mean, I might be speaking out of turn there, but it's got to be up
1: there. Oh. Uh, Absolutely. The, the, you know, the, I was able to give him a life that you know he couldn't give himself, and he grew up in the dirty thirties, you know, barefooted, you know, eating dandelions for for their vegetables when you know when the garden would be droughted out. I mean, he, so so for me to be able to to take him and fulfill his dreams he, he, that that he didn't even actually have, I mean, because it was just so far beyond any hope. Yeah, that's cool. You know? So it was when he passed away, I can honestly say I didn't have one regret about oh, not giving, you know, spending the time with him, giving to him. A, you know, it was, it, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And to my father-in-law, that was his buddy. So it was Hal and Lynn. And it was Hal and Lynn that
0: was always on it. So that was Louise's dad. That was your wife's dad. Was, yeah. How awesome is it that your, the Eva's and Renlin's kids get to grow up and look at episodes and footage of their blood that they would n- really never got to know? I, I, How awesome is that? Yeah, I've always
1: looked at that, and I've always thought about that on the video from the beginning when we started recording all this. That um, you, you can't really die when you're when you're preserved on, on those videos. My father and father-in-law, I just did their you know, a, a best of at a at a banquet a couple of nights ago down in Vegas. That's my father and father. They're still alive. Their message of what hunting is truly alone. about, having fun. Is still being told by them, and you know now when the, when these their great grandchildren are old enough to know, oh that's who they are, they'll know who they are because that's who they were at that point. And you know there's, we have we have many episodes where we go right back and look at the old archival photographs of them. So they, it, it's like a. It,
0: it's like having that DNA website, but all like in, embodied into what you can just give them. Like, hey, watch this. this is, Here's this, who your grandpa was. Here's yeah. who your great-grandpa was.
1: Well, you know what? When you give it, it's not only who your great-grandpa was. It's who you are. It's
0: who you are. It's where you came from. Yeah. How and, cool uh, is that? I, I, like, I, that's got to be the, out of all the awards. Out of all the sponsorship agreements you've signed, out of all the trip, the planes you've boarded to go to the most fascinating destinations in the world, to me, that's like the ultimate, what you just explained, to be able to give back. That, my dad passed away, and right when he was a retired plumber, we were on the same thing, laid off. Mm-hmm. Busted knuckles, bad back, back surgery here, uh, had to be on not welfare but unemployment. And we were, he was a union plumber, so we'd go out and picket in the picket line when non-union guys would get the job. Not, I, don't, I don't side with any of that. I'm just saying what we did. But there was a lot of worry when dad would get laid off. And then when he was retired, I got to buy him his first trip to Saskatchewan, his first guided cougar hunt on the Utah, Nevada border with hounds, his first Sonora, Mexico mule deer hunt down in uh, North of Hermosillo. And I was like, man, this is what it's all about. I'm able to go to a dinner and raise my hand and be able to afford humble, humbling yep. for me to be able to afford to buy him that cougar hunt that I was, that I kept raising my hand because I knew that he would love it. He didn't know I was getting it for him. And when I walked over and gave him a certificate and said, pops, have fun on the cougar hunt. He's like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, this isn't for me. I'm a duck hunter. And I handed it to him. And that's, that's gotta be the most gratifying thing you've ever done, Jim. There's, there's no. Besides doubt. Eva and the kids, I get that. You know, that's important.
1: That's what I was, exactly was going to go. That, uh, you, know, I've, I've been blessed to be able to do that for my father, father-in-law, and, and, you know, my mom and and my mother-in-law to a degree, certainly, you know, for our family. But you know, then, you know, to, to see our own children and see that they've had that work ethic instilled in them, and and uh, the same tenets that I grew up with, you know, honor and. and loyalty they, they have all that that's pretty rewarding I mean it's hard not to to see that and it's and crazy you know be, be proud not 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 proud of anything I did or you know Nana Weezy was there 100% of the time she was obviously you know a huge part of their upbringing because I was on the road a lot but uh you know to see them now as uh, doing as well as they are and I don't mean financially that has nothing to do with anything no. you know to see what how they're raising their own families there's nothing more it's almost it's almost like okay good that's the period on the end of the sentence you know been here had a wonderful life and and now you know you just walk, now I can sit back and watch
0: and when you watch you you're on stage today i'm sure and you're going to be on stage during sci and you're on stage at several of these things that's rewarding but to see eva on fox news to see eva with her daughter to see eva building this house to see eva standing with hundreds of girls between the ages of five and 30 at her autograph signings at a Cabela's or at a consumer show. And the message that she talks, the met she is probably the biggest voice out there in female hunting. I'm not saying that Tiffany and all of those girls are awesome and they're all friends. I get it. And they all love and respect each other. But Eva has this voice that it's reached a lot of people in live appearances on national Fox television shows, morning news, And to see how humbled she is by it of saying, hey, I'm willing to share this lifestyle, not to say rah, rah, look at me or look at who my dad was, because you gave her her start. There's no doubt she may or may not have gotten to where she is without Jim. And that's not the argument. The thing is, is that she knows where she came from the love and passion that she has for what you did for your family and what your dad did for the family. She knows all that, what her mom did, how close you were able to bring the mother-in-law and the mom because everybody was able to be together because of your success. That's a big, big deal. In my opinion, all of that goes into this thread and this, this embodiment of work that Eva is putting together now and your son, Brenlin to where you got to look at it and go, Man, being on stage is cool, but look at this! Look at what my kids are doing! Look at what's going on! Because I was able to say, you know what? I'm not going to go work on those road crews. Nothing. Not that there's anything wrong. I do have an entrepreneurial spirit. I am competitive. I'm going to build a brand. And Jim Shockey is a brand that has, whether you want to admit it or not, Jim, it's opened all those doors that you just talked about for the last 30 minutes of being able to talk to Ted Nugent, maybe settle down a little bit or keep going, Ted, talk to Donald Trump Jr., see Eva doing what she's doing, seeing your dad on national TV for generations and years to come. It's awesome that you stepped out and did that. And now you get to sit back and how old are you in your mid 50s?
1: I wish. Uh, believe me, I'm a long way from seeing the bright side of sixty,
0: and, and really, you're yeah. over sixty. Oh yeah. I had no idea. So you're in your sixties, to where most men are looking to retire at sixty-two. You're looking at this whole body of work, and now Eva is doing it, building this body of work. I don't think like what you've done for the dad, what you've done to give Eva her start. I don't know if there's a better body of work in the outdoor industry that I know there's Fred bear. And I know there's lots of great trailblazers in what we've done, but if you sit back and look at what you've done and what it's going to continue to do, I don't know if you could write a better script and I'm not kissing your ass because I don't need to you. I'm not going to ever kill as many animals as you did. I'm never going to visit. I'm probably never going to raise as much money as you have in the conservation efforts that you've done successfully. I'm just saying like, I don't know if you could write a better script in a life of, Born in Canada, living in a trailer park, and now look what you've done—it's badass.
1: Well, well, thank you. That's a huge, huge compliment. But I, and I'm not trying to be, you know, false humility. I, I wanted to see how good I could be as myself, and and so I, I've never really looked at any of those and said, you know, pat myself on my back. The awards, I, I actually, you know, I, and I, I'm honored, but that's never been something that I've tried to strive to achieve it's not you end up there what I I tell people is if you drive for 40 years in the same direction and don't take side roads and don't stop you're going to end up somewhere and this is where I've ended up I've I've just kept living my life like I live it and I've had the the, you know uh, my wife Louise I mean I was head over heels in love with her that first dance class and I'm more head and heels over in in love with her now I mean uh, absolute respect for her and and uh i couldn't do what i do without her and and by the same token the the you know Brandon and eva coming into this industry i wouldn't be where i am without them what they contributed you know from and my father you know teaching me the things that i needed to learn in, in terms of honor and respect and whatnot that you know him my mother who is still alive up in saskatoon actually she's 88 years old now and you know, so so I you know I,
0: I don't look at it like. this But do you I think did. it's the trait that you're explaining right now that has gotten you to where you've gotten? You're literally saying that I just told you that you've built an unbelievable brand, and it's your name. And you correct me by saying that even Brenlin and Wheezy and, and your and everybody that's in that foundation in the Shocky family has gotten you to where you're at. And you got you I I'm corrected. I stand corrected because I'm like man, he's literally sitting here saying that. I Maybe you didn't get Eva involved in the industry. The passion that you showed in it, she might have gotten a little bit of a head start, but you're saying Wheezy was just as important of getting them where they're at as you are.
1: Oh, 100%. And I, and I didn't even get into the, like right now on the floor of this convention, my team that's out there, I would die for any one of them. The, these are a, a, a Wojo. A, you think I'd, I probably wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Wojo? I'd love either. to meet him. He's he's the man. Wojo, is he is awesome. You know, he'll he'll cry when something hurts him, and and I couldn't even imagine Wojo getting angry. But (laughs) you know, I know he's fearless. He's the one guy I can say, Wojo, I need this done. You know, and now Ryan Leaf, who Ryan Leaf, he's on the floor too. He's an MMA fighter with a was a three and two record, forty six years old, and he's going to fight again. He's going down to Vegas right now to train. To fight again, and he—he's my sort of head guide. We call him the Terminator up in the Yukon and Spring Bears of Vancouver Island. He was an, a member of Parliament. He—he he stopped guiding for me to run for for our federal government wow. and won. He was the Yukon rep, like our member of Parliament, which is an MP. I don't know what your equivalent down here would be, but big. And and you know that he lost the next election, unfortunately. But good for me because he came back into the fold and. You know, Ryan's down there, Davey Lawless is down there, Kathy, Wojo's wife, and Taylor Anderson Davies is down there, you know, a young man, 23 years old now, and, and that's the next generation. So you've got Ryan and Dave, and then, you know, Wojo and I are sitting up high at the the higher end of, you know, the, the twilight, and then you've got Taylor Anderson Davies. There's nobody harder working. than I'm where I am because of people like that, and I can go back over the last 40 years and, and keep naming them, you know, Freddie Lackey, well, does, it ever, does
0: it ever irritate you or piss Jim Shockey off if somebody flies the coop and goes out and uses you as a stepping stone? Because you've given a lot of people their start in this business. Or do you look at it as like, go kick some butt?
1: Just the opposite. They're still on our team. You know Dave Fife's out there. He's one of the greatest outfitters. Darren DeLuca, Sean Lingle, these are all outfitters. They're,
0: uh, and they were all guides for me at one time. Wasn't Cody as well? Or he was part of your team in some Cody, capacity. Cody, Cody was my first cameraman. And now he's killing some of the biggest animals on... He's, he, he's, a, he, he's an animal. He always dude. was
1: a great hunter, and he's even better now. Cody, and he's, a, I think, one of the top three greatest talents we have in our outdoor industry in front of the camera. He's great. Cody's a funny, funny guy. He's great, yeah. We, you know, we were talking about TV shows. I've got a new one coming out here in uh, January. So our hunting adventures is over after 17 years and, and our uncharted Yukon is over. Um, and, and I've got a new one called shock therapy.
0: That's cool. And, and
1: so Cody, it's a very similar thing to what you're doing right now, only it's television format. And, uh, Cody, I had Cody on as, as one of my first, you know, for the pilot. It was awesome. It was awesome to get back. And, you know, back to your question, I wish nothing but the best you know, for, for, for have you
0: always felt like, – have you always thought this maturely, Jim? Is there ever a point in your life when you were in your 20s, 30s, 40s where the competitiveness would take over and you didn't think this level-headed and this clear, clear-minded? clear Because right now you're saying like, hey, this – you're saying like what a person should be. Have you always been that person? Was there ever a time to where you hiccuped and got off that path of the morals and, and thinking this clearly?
1: No. only The only time that I, I – I, you know i felt disappointment a couple of times when you know that's happened and they didn't do it the right way you know there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do things and there's an honorable way and that and i always taught them and tried to set an example to do it honorably if you absolutely i want everybody to succeed in their life and do the greatest to be who they can be and and you know they call it going to to guide university you know they, if i'm with them for a long time they they're, they're going to know how to do it so why would I keep him longer than that? Now, Wojo and I are, you know, we're like this. Ryan and Davey Lawless and, you know, Taylor Anderson Davies, but he may not. Maybe he'll go fly the coop and, and buy his own outfitting territory with a client that, you know, finances him. I don't know, but if he does, fantastic. You know, I'll be, I'll just have to start training somebody else. Maybe his brother Christian. So, so it, you know, have I always thought like that? They're, the only time, like I say, if they didn't do it the right way, the way that, I would expect in the way that I would have taught, and and they know what what I stand for and what we believe in as, you know, as one big extended family. So, but that's not a that that's not a, a in any way feeling anger about them. It's just like oh, you know, I, you, know you, 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 you know, you knew better, you know, you knew better, and you didn't do it right, and and that's you know, there's a couple times, but they they know that, and and it's. They've all come back to me if they did do anyone that ever did that and said, okay, I know, I was wrong. And, and you know, they get it after their – because I would never do anything to negatively affect, you know, their success, their hope of success. That's awesome. I, I would help them every which way I could. Was, so I don't know. Have I always felt like that? I'm, I'm competitive but not possessive. I, I don't – again, that's an ugly an
0: ugly – Emotion, You know I mean? But has it been, have you got these feelings and these thoughts through maturity or have you always been this level-headed? Because it seems to me like your career's a long one. You've been doing this a long time. You've had a lot of success. Has it always been that easy to just, yeah, just go, good luck, go kick some butt, do this. I'm not, or, has, because right now you're very clear-minded about it, but I could see like, you bring somebody up in the ranks, and now all of a sudden they have the area next to you, and they're going after the bookings that you used to get with them. That happens in outfitting. It's, it's never been that with, with you, huh? You've no. always just been like, "Hey, good luck. Let's just stay. We're we're both we're both. There's enough out there for both of us. Let's just be ethically good to each other."
1: If if I did my job properly, and and you know, and was a good character judge, you know, we'll work together. I mean, yeah, I want Vancouver Island to be the greatest bear destination in the planet for black bears or island bears and, and, or coastal bears. And, and we all work towards that same goal. So the, the more successful they are, the more successful I'm going to be too. It's, 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 there's no... And it I, won't get outlawed. No, not a, I don't think black bears will, but that doesn't mean that there's certainly not a, you know, an effort out there. When I bought my territory, there was a company called Bear Watch they were they were financed. Well, they were they were the militant arm of uh, an animal rights group, which I won't get into. That that was really uh, under the umbrella of the biggest one down here in the states. And you all know who they are. I I don't want to mention names because I'll probably get sued by these people. But 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 does uh, it start with a P? I, I I'm not going to say, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 I, I, it probably does actually. But <laughs> but anyway, they they when I bought my territory, they were. After the black bears in the worst way, and and they were sending bombs around. You know, I got a poison razor blade in the mail. They were, they they, they were bad actors, and they were financed by a very wealthy lady down here in the states that was associated. With, she was in the family of the of, of a very big department store, and and so they had they had unlimited funds, and they were bad bad actors. And uh, anyway, long story short, we w- that's what it was like when I bought my territory, and and bears were not. You know, they weren't on the top of the heap. Vancouver Island now, with the help of you know, what I did, certainly, but also with all the guys, and all of us are you know, Eric Mickelson, all of them. We're all good friends, and, and uh, Dave Fife's sons are involved in his opening territory now. I think they're Is it spot over.
0: and stock bear hunting on Vancouver Island? Yeah,
1: yeah, just spot. You're not allowed to be. Okay, so
0: that was my question that I was going to ask in the first five minutes of this. You watch videos on it, and I've been around it. I've seen it in Saskatchewan and other places are you are you of the mindset like sometimes i've made a remark of like you shouldn't shoot ducks while they're sitting on the water you should not pass shoot a goose at 70 yards just because you think you're a good marksman become a more proficient hunter and call them better decoy them better get him in a more harvestable range ethical shot you know to where he's dead not chance of crippling him or winging him and he goes off and becomes fox food is that okay to sit over a pile of cereal and a fifty gallon drum and let a bear come in? And could you kill a bear in that country without doing it that way in spot and spot and stock Because of the bush and how thick it is, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here, Jim. Are, do you ever look at a certain way of hunting and be like, man, we don't. That's a bad. That's a. That's not good for the sport to watch that going on. Or is it okay to bait bear and shoot him with a bow from a tree stand or a ground blind over cereal or whatever they're eating?
1: first of all I, I would i'm never going to denigrate something that hunters do that's legal so if baiting is legal then i'll never say anything bad about it or the hunters and i, I mean and I, and I would put it the, this way you know to you the, imagine that you sit in an office and you have a job that doesn't let you you know go out, or you have, maybe you have a physical disability that doesn't allow you to to keep in good shape or maybe you just don't have a the propensity to, to, to keep yourself in good shape, whatever reason, you get one week to go hunting, and the surest way is to come to Saskatchewan and sit over a barrel with donuts in it or whatever, you know, beaver casters, whatever they're using for bait. You know, could you walk 10 miles and to find that, that bear? No, you're probably not capable of it. Right. So, but I am, but that doesn't make me... Well, what did, well, how does that give me the right to judge that person that wants to sit in that tree stand and, and you know use his rifle? I don't. It doesn't matter. Whatever is legal, bow and arrow, if that's what he wants to do. Who am I to judge that person and, and somehow think that I'm holier than thou because I can hike and I can do this? So I'm. A, I, you should respect me. and I'm going to denigrate what he does. Never, never. He's a hunter, and and you don't. You're not walking in his shoes, and nor are you experiencing what he's experiencing. It's pretty cool. To sit over bait and watch these bears come in to 20 yards and and you know do their thing, it, it's almost catch and release hunting because you can pick and choose. You have you know there's all kinds of ethical reasons to do it. You you can better judge shot it. better
0: shots presented 100 percent.
1: Your 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 shot selection's better. You can judge the animals better. And you know what? If you're not capable of climbing a mountain to go after your bear, what's wrong with what's wrong with doing that? So I'm not going to judge. I don't Am I going to put it down because I use bow and arrow and somebody else uses rifle? I'm not going to do that. As either. long as you
0: respect the animal, respect the resource, ethically, and you fall abide by the law, it's okay. It's not only okay. We should be supporting. We should it. be supporting it. Yeah. We're, we're, now, we're, do you personally enjoy it? Not just the vision and the experience, but do you? Are you to a point in your career to where you would? Would you ever sit over a bay to get in Saskatchewan and harvest your own bear? Have you ever done it? And would you do it again?
1: No, I, I've never sat in Saskatchewan. I've never sat in Canada over bait, but but this last two seasons, spring seasons in in Arizona, on the White Mountain Apache Reserve, I hunted with uh, with Chris down there. He's a taxidermist, so my brain's gone dead here. I've been blabbering for a long time, but but they bait, and I had a riot. I loved it. For uh, what,
0: javelinas or for no
1: for bears? For bears? For black bears? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they, they the biggest black bears that I've ever seen in my life. Now I've seen the big fat ones in North Carolina and I hunted them, but and and successfully. But these ones in Arizona are giant, and I've always wanted for the last forty years. I've wanted to hunt
0: down there, and finally, do yeah, the they run them with dogs too, or is it legal to run bears with dogs down there? It probably is. I don't know for sure. I know in California, you know, they outlawed that too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I the bear's not good
1: eating, is it, Jim? I defy you to tell the difference between a bear and a moose. No a deer. Way. I defy really? you. I defy you to Black tell the bear,
0: difference. Black bear, uh, all species of bear? Sure.
1: We, I, and I'll, we'll throw in polar bear. And I, and I defy you to tell, show me the difference if I prepare that for you. And better the one than
0: that, elk and moose. I'm not going to say not they're better. Not better, but you, you couldn't tell the difference. I'm
1: saying that, I'm going to say that you couldn't, and I don't know how good your taste buds are, but I'm going to say just, I'm playing odds here. 98% of the people that eat it would not be able to tell the difference. And and, and and I'm I'll stand there. I just said it. And really? Yeah. They'll do. So are
0: you the type of guy that goes to a sushi restaurants and eats eats mackerel?
1: I, I eat the the uni, the the sea urchin. You eat the urchin. I'm going down to the all you can eat. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm my dinner right I'm now going with, I'm going with you. Oh, the, the,
0: the, <laughs> I'm, I ate it today for lunch. Uh, I, I ate joint. it last night. I'm going to eat it tonight. Isn't I'll it like... awesome in Reno to have it? And it's fresh fish. I tell everybody I could travel not as much as you, but I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And you go to the coast. I've eaten great fish in Charlotte, L.A. Because of the casinos here, they piggyback off these casinos, and this fresh fish is flying in every day.
1: Yeah, the, the salmon yesterday on that sushi was as good as what I get on Vancouver Island. You know, is it as good as what I catch and eat, and you know, prepare myself. No, but it's for a restaurant.
0: It's as good as it gets anywhere in this it's planet. Would you remember the name of the one you went to? Was it here in the resort? Yeah, it's the Oceana. Oh, it's good. The it? peppermill If you're writing a, I know you got to get the dinner. If you're writing a Wikipedia, or you allowed me to interview you and write your Wikipedia, I know you're a son. I know you're a father, and I know that you are a husband. Then what is Jim Shockey? Is is it an actor? Is it a TV host? Is it a conservation spokesman? Is it an ambassador? Is it an outfitter? What is Jim Shockey?
1: You, you know, if you come to our and Man Museum, you, you'll see what what I've tried to do is is show that 500 years ago, every one of us was a theologian, was a scientist, was a musician, was an artist, was an explorer, was a hunter. We were all of that, and then. For some reason we, we started we started specializing. So science and art split apart a long time ago. You know, the explorers stayed with the with the science, but eventually they split apart from the scientists. And then, you know, the artists got even further away. Eventually the hunters split away from the explorers, or vice versa, the explorers split away from the hunters. I I would you know I would say that the one thing missing in what you said was I, I'm a naturalist. And we were oh, always nice. we were always that we were naturalists. Naturalist was everything. They could, you know, they could play a guitar or a violin, whatever they played. In piano. They could, they could draw. A work bird. with wood. Work with leather. Yeah, they were they, uh, they and they were athletes. Although they probably didn't have as much time as we do nowadays. You know, they spent a lot more time writing. You know, you know they didn't have word processors. So and lighting was probably worse. But, but I think that hunters hearken back to that time period. I mean, listen to you talk you're a duck guy which i didn't realize duck guys could actually speak like you do <laughs> and, and and it's you know I, you know you're articulate i'll guarantee that you have talents that are hidden from everybody cuz you don't show them on your shows how can you? you you know you are and all hunters are what we were originally we're kind of well-rounded people that have you know have many facets of our character that the popular press would would like to ignore but the fact is you know we are we are naturalists we're I don't want to say renaissance men and women but but certainly we have you know uh, we have uh, an understanding of nature and an understanding of who we are and the picture of this world that's a lot bigger that allows us to be tolerant you know and and yeah some of us maybe we can't articulate how we feel and that's for people like you and people like me to to okay we'll be your champion we'll talk about that so that's the
0: ambassador part of what you mentioned Um, i like that you say that you're a naturalist before a hunter or before a outfitter you make your money and your living in outfitting outfitting has opened up many doors your tv shows have promoted and and showcased your outfitting services probably creating different revenue streams and, and the ability to book people from all over the viewing world but you're a naturalist 100%. And that's so cool to hear. And then you compare it to the word Renaissance, man, which in history was derived from somebody that was good at a lot of things. He could paint, he can maybe go to Italy and and, and get involved in space and and paint in the Sistine Chapel. If you go there and look at the artwork, or you go somewhere and look at the architecture, like just Chicago, if you look at the architecture in Chicago, you're blown away by it. And Renaissance men were looked at as somebody that could do a lot of different things and do it well. I always told my dad, you're a Renaissance man. You can play the piano. You can write a song. You can pick the guitar. You can fix a toilet. You can go kill a mule deer. You can butcher. You can log split. You can do it all. You can work a table saw. You can build a house. I want to be like that. I am self-admittingly not because I almost have gotten like if somebody's better at it than me – I am better at certain things and I'm going to let them do the things they're good at and help me get that stuff done. But I look at my dad and I'm like, my dad would never pay somebody to come cut his lawn. Never. I sit there and use the excuse of, well, I'm too busy doing what I do. And that guy's better at it than I am to keep it up. My dad would be on his hands and knees picking the dandelions out of the grass before he'd ever let somebody else come and take care of that lawn. I'm not that guy. You know what I'm saying? Those Renaissance men were different. And they. I looked at my dad like you did as my hero, like, man, he can do it all. He yeah, can do it all.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you say it, like I don't change the oil on my truck. I'm capable of it. And my dad, you know, he's rolling over right now in his grave, knowing that I hire someone to do that. You know, same as your dad. And but, but I think it's, you know, maybe it's common sense man is is more and 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 self reliant man is a better way to describe us. You know, we know who we are and what we're capable of, and we're not easily influenced. We, you know, we're. We're we're strong, we're strong, and 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 that's you know I, like I say if I if I had the Wikipedia thing that's I, I th- in fact I think if you look me up on Wikipedia it says I'm a naturalist first and foremost. I like that. It but you're
0: also an outfitter, and you've built your livelihood through outfitting. Is that safe to say?
1: Yeah, that's who I am. Or is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, a lot of people think I'm a TV guy. I'm not. TV was a...
0: Can you go on a Jim Shockey website and book a hunt in Turkey because you are a voice for that outfitter over there, and you make a little bit of a commission off of selling that hunt? Is that how you make your living, or is all of your outfitting done in the rogue territory of the Northwest Territories in British Columbia and all of that part of Canada?
1: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an outfitter up there, that, but okay. I don't I don't book hunts in anywhere else. I'm not a booking agent. Were you ever? We had a company at one time with a fellow that worked for us, Dan Goodenow, and I think he he called it you know, Shaky Hunts or something. like that. I remember that.
0: that. I remember when yeah. I first got into you and and, became a fan. That's and, what and I. And knew he, he was
1: uh, Dan, Dan. Was that was his baby? He wanted to hunt all over the world, and I I, I told him I said, listen, you go ahead use our use our brand. I, I trusted him with it. Use my name and and organize the hunts, and and I actually I said just put the company. You know, one half in uh, Louise's and my name and one half in the kid's name and whatever you make just throw it in there and and you know it didn't make any real dollars but he got to travel all over and you know eventually he um he suffered from depression and, and mm. unfortunately took his own life so we we haven't since Dan left our our fold we haven't uh Done that no, haven't opened it up again and we we may do that with Ryan and Dave but they're pretty busy with our opening territories they're, they're a going concern that requires a lot of I want to
0: come up and hunt I want to come up and do the bear hunt the Vancouver Island I would love it yeah, I would love fun. to try it How important is military to you
1: you know it's it's really sad to me that that people you know don't don't appreciate what what our military armed forces of our countries here in North America have done. And I'm talking Canada and the United States. I don't want to, you know, not talk about Mexico, but I don't know a lot about that. I understand. But, but uh, you know, it's their sacrifices that we have the freedoms we have today. World War I, World War II, before that, even your guys' civil war. I mean, they, you know, these people fought and lost their lives, gave their lives, and they still to this day to uphold what these countries stand for. And, and uh, I, I think we should all do what we can And that's still never enough to to thank our members of the Armed Forces for what they've done.
0: And how awesome, and I'm going back to what we talked about before, is you were able to give back to your dad. You are able to give back to conservation. You're a great voice for this lifestyle and this culture and this blessing to be a hunter because it is no way, shape or form. I've always stressed this in my years of doing what I've done is that we're not entitled to this. There's no law that says you can hunt. We have the right under our constitution to bear arms with the second amendment, but this is a privilege and a blessing to be able to be a hunter. So it's, it could very easily be a hunter that gets that privilege revoked for some people someday. We got to be smarter and we got to make the right decisions and stay ethical and believe in our morals and, and, and understand that entitlement is what can bring something down in a hurry but you are able to give back to the military in a way because you don't have a sense of entitlement you use this lifestyle in a way that you've built of being able to give back and provide therapy and to be able to give to people like your dad and kids and sign autographs and take pictures and be a good voice a good ambassador for the the privilege of the hunter of being a North American hunter it's a huge privilege to wake up and be able to do that Jim and you're able to do that, so you are able to give back to the military, and that's got to be so gratifying too.
1: Yeah, it, it, it truly is. I actually served in the Canadian Armed Forces uh, six the last six years. I just just retired as a really? lieutenant colonel. Yeah, so it, a lot of people don't know that. But now in Canada, we're on the British system, so it was bestowed upon me. It, it, literally the troops chose me as as commanding officer, and then in our system. That, you know, they've done it a couple hundred times over history and they it takes almost an act of parliament. You know, they have to sign up. Is this off. because of
0: what they've seen you how how talented you are with the firearm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm not sure what, what that guy saw, but I you know the Ranger for Ranger Patrol Group up in Canada, they chose me.
0: How it, cool it, is that?
1: Well it's a huge honor. I mean a it, and honor. it's something that, that I never got to Six serve years. my country as a as a fighting member of the armed forces, but I you know, I gave back what I could in the way that i could and and thankfully was given the opportunity to be able to do that but but you know that pales in comparison to the guys that went out there and and fought lines it's you know you do but again like i say you 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 do what you can to give back but it's never enough and i and i always that's my mantra when it comes to the armed forces you know i try to raise as much money as i can for them every opportunity i i can for them
0: and they recognize it and if you ask a guy and i've done it when i've taken soldiers and we're going to talk about this and end it on this is that if jim Shocky asked one of the warriors that you hunt with or that you support do you ever look down at me for not serving not going overseas not fighting in theater and battle they're gonna look at you and go no you're giving back you're a warrior for what you do for the military now that's what they've told me to my face I ask them, what do you, what's it feel like when your boots hit American soil, North American soil again, whether you're in Canadian armed forces or American, what does it feel like? And they're just, I want to be in the woods. I want to see my family. I want to kiss my wife. I want to hug my kids and I want to go hunting and hunting provides that therapeutic release that these guys can get in a duck blind or put their back up against a tree in a Turkey woods or stand in a tree blind for a whitetail or be up in Saskatchewan and wait for one to come out of the bush. It's that's what hunting is. And what you do with the Freedom Hunters and Mr. Anthony Pace and being able to do what you're doing next month in South Carolina of the Jim Shockey Classic, a golf tournament with your name on it. Your name is on this thing that people are spending their hard-earned money to put buy a foursome, I assume, and go compete for the day and meet Jim Shockey and have an auction, probably silent and live, and listen to a band and have a cold beer and enjoy the warm weather in March of South Carolina. And those proceeds go back to the Freedom Hunters that get our veterans, our active-duty members and veterans, back in the woods. They provide hunting and fishing excursions to get them back in the woods and let that therapy take place because that's what they need. So you have your name on an event that, that you get to give back again now in your career, in your 60s, in America. You're giving back to the military in a big way.
1: As I said, I, I, you know, I always try and do what I can, but it's never enough. So I, I appreciate that, and it's, you know, I, my intention is to make that tournament bigger and bigger and, and raise more and more money for the veterans. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how many more years I have in me, but as long as I'm breathing, I'm gonna be doing that. And, That's so and, awesome. And, and, you know, at the end it it adds up, but as I said, it's never enough. Anthony
0: Pace is a successful American. He makes a good living, and he volunteers his time and starts the Freedom Hunters because he sees a need for what we're talking about. You talk about, you know, getting activated and getting something going. The Freedom Hunters, I, I don't know how many hunts we've hosted now, but I've got to meet so many people that would never have the opportunity. They wouldn't even know the first move to make to do what Anthony gives to them. And now you get to work hand in hand with the Freedom Hunters and what Anthony Pace and his entire organization at Freedom Hunters is doing. And I just think that it's like what you did for your dad and what you did with your family and all of that. Now you get to have more icing on that Jim Shocky cake. And I know you only you wish you could do more. But Jim, you can't do everything. You're you haven't you're dedicating your time. You're sacrificing time away from your family. You're getting sponsors involved. You're playing. You're out there hosting these guys talking to them more than anything, telling them thanks for what they do, which is all we really can do is, it, you know, as, as a citizen is say thank you and respect them. And now you're going above and beyond even more and saying, hey, let's do this. My name's on it. Let's do this. And now you're saying you'll do it until you can't walk or until the day you die. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's uh, – I'm very proud of Anthony and Freedom Hunters. You, you Someday when you get them on air, ask him how that started. It'll be, It's a pretty interesting story, the uh, – so I, like I say I've got a very close personal relationship with freedom hunters from from the very beginning and i uh I'm proud of anthony how how he's how he's taken that and and run with it and and created what he's created and the good that he's done for these families of the armed forces the men and women and their families uh, you know along with of course everybody like yourself that's that's taking them hunting it's uh on these hunting trips it's and and how many people yeah everybody looking in from the outside has no idea how much effort and time and sacrifice it takes for people to volunteer to do this to make it happen but but you know what again you do what you can but it's never enough and every one of us that's involved with anthony and freedom hunters and our jim shockey classic i hate talking third person but
0: the, hey, uh, it's something to be proud of.
1: Yeah, well, I'm proud of everybody that's that's put it together and that makes it a success, and and the people that attend. We, I just signed up uh, the Shelby American guys, so I think we're we're hopefully going to have uh, a couple of their Black Ops, the Tuscany group that customizes all the Fords. We'll have some of those on the the hole in one holes. I, I just wish I could you know buy a ticket, and I'll buy a ticket. I may not be able to.
0: Anthony sent me that.
1: Yeah. The, they take care. Okay.
0: It says, Chad. Hi, Chad. You should come hang out at the Jim Shockey Classic Golf Tournament. He gave me the link. And then I talked to him on the phone. He's like, I want you to come out and play in it. Do what you can. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about trying to be out there. I have a couple turkey hunts, but I'm trying to get get it to oh, where I can yeah. go out for that come, thing. Come.
1: Come. It, it's a fun event. And, and let, as I say, you know, th- this is it's the second year in, in South Carolina, but we ran it for six years down in Tucson. Has well, your name
0: always been on it? Yeah. Right from the so this is the eighth year. No ninth year. Uh,
1: ninth year altogether. Yeah, yeah. We I, I don't know what we raised, but it's it's up in the half million dollar range, for to take veterans hunting over the years, and it, and it you know the spinoffs from that are, are big as well. So there's, yeah, like I say, we, we have Tracy Knoll, one of our. He, he doesn't want anybody to know this, but you know he donates a huge amount of dollars. To, to take the I mean there's just so many people that
0: I wish we had more time Jim so we could talk about what you get to witness we work with the freedom hunters at the Benelli Invitational up in Maryland every September and I've always told Anthony whenever you need us please call on us lean on us to take a hunt I've met guys that were SIL team six SilL team four took shrapnel on the left side of the brain have no short-term memory guys that were alpha males that can never drive again that didn't recognize their kid when they put their boots back on American soil. And they're in the duck blind, smiling and laughing, and it brings tears to my eyes. I'm, I, get, I, I would get choked up if I kept talking about it now. But to know what Jake went through, and then, to, and then to know that we still text and get to talk to each other, and knowing what he was and how many tours and missions he succe- successfully completed, and then that last one made it to where, you know what he told me, Jim? He goes, I want to go back. They all say that. Even though he's got shrapnel, he can't even – he has no short-term memory. He goes, I got to be back. My brothers are over there. It's a different mentality. Not everybody's cut from that fabric. They're not – They're not. you know what I'm saying? It's not – they they were put on earth to do that. They're there for a reason, and they, and they do it with pride and dignity. And it's just – it's cool to see that you can nine years put your name on the Jim Shockey Classic, March 22nd, 23rd at the Wild Dunes Resort in Isle of Palm, South Carolina, March 22nd and 23rd. And if you want information, the tickets are on sale now through February 22nd, 2020. Visit www.freedomhunters.org front slash Jim Classic for all of the details on the ticket package op- options and schedule of events or even just to make a donation. So if you can't make it to Isle of Palms in South Carolina, there's nothing wrong with going to that website. We'll have it up on our website at thislifeaintforeverybody.com where you can go on and make a donation. It doesn't matter how much. So do that. Donate to the Jim Shockey Classic. Jim, I, don't, I could talk to you for hours. I'd love to do it again. I'd love to come up and visit the museum and sit in there and do a podcast because just seeing the pictures and what you're hosting up there and what you've built is I got to come see it. I want to do a bear hunt. I'm going to try to get to this golf classic. I hope to see Eva next month at a at an event in Salt Lake City that I heard she might be at. What you've done is awesome, my man. I'm I'm honored and humbled to be able to sit down with you and thank you for sitting down with myself.
1: Oh, that's it's my my pleasure. And I, I have to say, I'm I'm pretty darn impressed with duck hunters. I mean, I didn't know a lot of you know serious serious duck hunters like yourself, but uh, it's impressive. This is uh, questions. You know how articulate you are and passionate about what we love—the outdoors, this this lifestyle that we love—and and, and uh, so you know it's it's been an honor for me, and and it's well, been a you. great great pleasure. And you're welcome up to our Hand and Man Museum up on Vancouver Island
0: anytime. I'm if, coming. I promise right. you. I'm going to bring my daughter up and walk it and. I just, I mean, that's just, the, the, just so cool to see what you've done. If people look it up, they can see it on your Instagram at Jim Shockey. Is it at Jim Shockey? At Jim Shockey official? Yeah, official. Yeah, at Jim Shockey official. You have the blue check, by it. I do. He has the he, Jim Shockey has the blue check. But Go on to his Instagram and look at the pictures of the displays at the Hand to Man Museum. is awesome. Um, from I don't even want to get into it because it's just like I have a pretty cool man cave, and then I look at that and I'm like. Dang it, man! Look at this deal. Like it's that's it's pretty cool what you brought in there.
1: Well, it's it's for the public. I mean, you can't keep any everything. You know, I had the the incredible life of, of collecting these things, but they're not mine. I'm a steward of these cultural artifacts and you know the animals and whatnot, the woolly mammoth skeleton stuff like that. That's that's for the that's for everybody to enjoy. So that's why I did the museum. It's donation only, and it's. Uh, not one penny of government funding in How there. do you donate to it? You Well, most people just, when they come in, they... Uh, do,
0: is there a website that you can go to to help out? No, not,
1: not that kind of donation. So you just come in and you can yeah. leave a donation?
0: Yeah. And, is, is entrance it, entrance fee. It's an entry fee donation. Yeah, and I, I did cool.
1: that because, and I'll, and I'll continue to do that as long as I possibly can, uh, because I, I didn't have money, as I said, when I grew up. And if there would have been a museum like that, I would have lived there. I, I would have been all over the the curator and tell me this tell me that i want to do can i help can i
0: being a naturalist
1: yeah but if i if i would have had to pay five dollars one dollar whatever it was never
0: got in no no and and it's awesome yeah
1: so so i just figured there's one little one of me out there somewhere that doesn't have a lot of money there's more than one well we're seeing that the museum now we're getting over a thousand visitors a month and and it's out of the way and and the response has been over the moon you see these kids these classrooms come through and And you know there's one little guy there that you know it's not socially acceptable in his classroom because of his teacher or whatever that that you know but he wants to hunt but he doesn't want to talk about her doesn't know how to you know do it and then suddenly he sees a place where the you know the guy that did it and and the people that are involved and it's a whole world that he's actually part of it it, you know that'll make a difference in his life and and that's what that museum's for it's it's a man cave but it's not my man cave. It's everyone's man cave, and that—that's the only difference between what I have and what what you do with yours. And, and I awesome. wish more more people would would do what we've done, and because it's made a huge difference about the perception of hunting and hunters uh, in an area that's really left, far left wing, green member of parliament, green party member of parliament. So, and we don't get complaints. You know, one in, one in five hundred, and that's fair enough. They're they're just avowed animal rights people that you know they're never going to be happy with anything that's dead sorry you know even this table is wood that we're sitting at and they wouldn't be happy with that so you just you never make them happy it's well said. The, the other 499 people out of 500 they love it and they're really happy to have that in their community and if everybody did that in communities around North America I don't believe that we'd have the stigma attached to us I think the popular press wouldn't get any traction when Cecil comes up or, or whatever the the next deal is a big bad deal. So, uh, you know, it, it, again, it was a responsibility I, I that I think I had. I had. I, mean, I don't know. "What am I gonna do? Get go
0: get buried with them someday?" You know? No, it'll be there when you're gone forever. And yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. What we're gonna end on this? You got to go eat sushi, and I got to get something to drink. A lot of hunters, I'd say that the majority of hunters in the world will never go on an African safari. When you think about hunting with the word safari mixed with it, you think Africa. Whether it's the dangerous game, whether it's the plains game, there's a lot of different game in a lot of different countries in Africa, on the continent of Africa. SCI, you're the face of. You have been for a long time. Safari Club International. Why is it important to be involved in SCI? What is SCI? How does it support the hunting privilege and the hunting lifestyle and the hunting culture? And why is it important for a duck hunter that's never going to leave the continental United States to be a member or to support SCI? Uh,
1: You know, if you've watched my show, Hunting Adventures, over the last 17 years that it's been on the air on Outdoor Channel, that's been the one continuous message from day one. On the very first episode to the very last episode is, if you're a hunter, you should be a member of SCI, because they do more work than any organization to protect our rights to hunt and rights, you know, our, our privilege to hunt, not only here in North America but around the world. And in doing so, they're protecting the wildlife. And here in North America, you know, we have the North American wildlife ma- model, so it's, it, you know, we're in pretty good control of it. But that's not the way it is around the world. And as a hunter, if we have the the ability, we should be helping wildlife everywhere around the world it's wildlife is wildlife and i don't care if it's an elephant you know in in wherever sudan or if it's a you know a water buffalo down in in uh in south america i mean you you it's our job as hunters our responsibility as hunters to protect that wildlife to do what we can now we also want to look after our own deer hunting interests on our back 40 or duck hunting interests wherever you're going but, but you know, we, we have, we're very wealthy here. We're very wealthy. They're not very wealthy in many other parts of the world. And so if we can, why wouldn't you help the wildlife somewhere else if you're a hunter? Heck yeah. If you have the ability. Now, you know, SCI is not for everybody. It's, it's, but there is a demographic that really that hunts that should be members. And it doesn't hurt for anybody else to be a member. It's, what is it, $85 to join? And they, you know, they're out there protecting your rights. I'll be speaking at the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation get-together here in a couple nights here at SCI. Well, it's here because of SCI and the work that they do to protect our rights to hunt or our privilege to hunt. It, you, you, can't even, you, you can't go find it anywhere on a website, but they're out there working for us as hunters. And to think that, oh, you know, they're not going to help me, that's, that's absolute, absolutely incorrect they're out there fighting for your privilege and your your grandchildren's privilege and their grandchildren's privilege to hunt right now in you know you guys have it in Washington we have it in, in Canada and Ottawa they you know they they're they're fighting for that now that's not to take away from the other organizations the the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation the Wild Turkey Federation Ducks Unlimited they all do their bit every one of them is doing great work SCI kind of encompasses the world and they're they're kind of a bigger picture organization that that I think that all hunters should be a member of even if you don't attend their national convention here which you're at uh, you know you don't have to do that to support other hunters and other wildlife species around the world it's 85 dollars it's not yeah it's not a big deal it's not it's not going to break anybody out there and you know take it you know pay it in terms whatever but Every hunter should be a member to support hunting and hunters around the world, and you know also be a member of these other foundations them, as, as many well. As you can. many as you can.: Regional,
0: yeah. national, international, sure. Safari Club International, Jim Shockey, you are the man. I'm serious about the bear hunt, I'm serious about the museum visit. I'm serious about sushi someday. Someday somewhere, we're going to have to throw down on some sushi.
1: Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, like you can teach you. me about duck hunting because I I'd don't know nothing about duck hunting. I'd love to, take you. I'd love to
0: take you to the flooded timber of Arkansas, Snake River in Idaho, North. D- I don't care where we go. We'll bring you whoever you want. I'd love to go. Wow. I love it. I love. I love all hunting. I love eating wild game. I love. I just. I just started a new company called the Provider. We're going to release five cookbooks over the next five years with a three-day workshop where we're going to bring it around the country and talk about how to conceal how to scout how to how to how to blow a duck call how to and then there's going to be dog training and dog work and then the third part of the three-day workshop is is Traeger and how to how to process and butcher wild game and get all the meat off the bone and be a provider and live off the land and provide that bounty for your family and friends or the homeless or feed the hungry or whoever it might be so I just I love the lifestyle I love what you do for it I think that it's an honor you know to be in the same room as you to learn what you're doing and the way that you describe your career and your family and what eve is doing and what sci is doing and what the freedom hunters and mr anthony pace are doing kudos to you i love it congratulations on a great career and i know it's going to keep going well i appreciate that i'm, I'm humbled to hear that jim shockey everybody find him at jim shockey official on instagram as tv shows jim shockey's hunting adventures and uncharted the yukon on outdoor channel he is the face of the outdoors in my opinion he is a, a he's a, he's just awesome so check him out this has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you guys so much. It's humbling to see the growth of the podcast. Please tell a friend. Please subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. New episodes of The Foul Life are airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. And you can find our new duck calls at jargongamecalls.com. Tom, please go ahead and hit that button. Play Leith Lofton. What are you going to do when the money's all gone? Unless Jim lets me play Hal with me. You're going absolutely his, welcome we're to We're going to be it. playing Hal with me. Tom, thank you guys very much.
2: Kind of like the man in the moon. Have a dark side and two faces too. I want the wolves to howl with me. It's the coyote wind that sets me free. Uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, ooh, ooh. They're trying to take my way of life. I love. My word is good, I'll tell your son Invade my home and you'll meet my gun Bang, bang Bang, 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 bang Bang, bang Bang, 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 bang bang. I want to be in charge of the boom Attack my country and face your doom there won't be any rules to engage Cause I'm coming for you to make you pay, boom, boom